Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners. It's Navigate with I.D. This is your business school on radio. Friends, I bid you welcome to a very excellent and interesting month. We are inching to the end of the year, and um, that in itself does not stop us from learning, from understanding, and from being who we are to get to the place we want to be. And that's a real frame in which we operate within the business school on radio. I welcome you specially, and I hope that you are fine and keeping well. Well, for me, it's an exciting month, very exciting in the sense that um, uh, Monday, the 6th of November, will mark, you know, three decades I've been in the holy institution of marriage. So I'll be 30 with my wife. We'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary on Monday, the 6th of November. So I know that it falls short of our next um, uh, business school, which will be on Tuesday. And so I just want to do a personal shout out to my wife and uh, partner for life, uh, Dr. Susuenang, for tolerating me for 30 years. It's not easy staying with a man and then like ID. I'm very complex um, thinking through the night, even when doctors had to put a device on me to track my blood pressure. They just wonder that while you are sleeping, you are still thinking. And just your mind is going in different directions. That probably puts me in a good stead um, to say, you know, good morning if you're like me. And good afternoon if you are migrating from me to another space. But that's on a lighter note, friends. Just want to appreciate uh, my partner who has been with me and spouse and everything for 30 years. Um, obviously, this is just one space that one has to be able to ap- appreciate the grace, the love of God, and also for granting me the privilege, you know, to sit before you and to share with you every day, as also we celebrate good times and great times that happen in our lives. Don't forget to always celebrate. Friends, we've been talking about leadership transitions and from a personal and also a professional standpoint. And in the last episode, we ventured into that space where we talked about how we manage ourselves when we find ourselves in a stretch assignment. And I did share with you what we need to do in managing ourselves through a stretch assignment. And you need to have a certain mindset. But today, I want to step into the shoes of, you know, taking it into a bigger dimension. And with your permission, I want to look at the mindset of the business leader. Why do I say with your permission? Because some of you can switch off and say, after all, I'm not a business leader. But remember, you are transiting. You are in transition. And if you are moving from one stage to the other, ultimately you will land as a certain spot. So don't switch off because you think, oh, I am not a business leader, so this edition is not for me. That will be foolhardy. I want you to embrace it fully because as we are coming from that place of a stretch assignment, It's important that you understand there are certain mindsets that keep the business leader. Now, when people are selected to run a business, typically it comes from a culmination of years of learning and experience and also sacrifice. Now, to a lot of people, it's a fulfillment of a dream. I remember when I had the privilege of being uh, promoted to the role of a business leader. Um, and at that stage, you're more or less like a head of function. That's really what gives you that uh, status. Or you have a particular enclave or authority over a certain entity. And that for me was quite, um, it was a step in the in the major direction. It was a stretch, but not so much as a stretch as in one being overpowered. But it was the beginning of great things and more like I'm on the move and then fulfilling my dream, 
layer upon layer, day after day. One thing I must say is that most executives have sacrificed time with their families. Gone through periods when work was a seven-day-a-week proposition. In some cases, it would be 30 days. I remember in the days when I always had a backpack. You know, I was, in fact, it was crazy at some point when even from church, I get an email that uh, on a Sunday that um, you need to be on the business. I beg your pardon. You need to be on British Airways tonight. There's a meeting that has been called in London tomorrow. And so um, the ticket will be issued and then please be at the airport and straight from the church. I'm just going home to park and then leaving my family to board a plane to go to London for a meeting. Those were the days. So many executives sacrificed time, the time they would have had with their families and to do what? To do the business. So it is important you understand. Many of you that envy folks that are sitting at the top of the food chain, you say, oh, that man is a GM. I can't wait to become a GM. I can't wait to become a managing director. I can't wait to be a deputy managing director. I can't wait to be a chairman. Be careful. There are things that come without terrain. There are titles that come that are right, but I tell you the sacrifice can be more daring. And so most executives have sacrificed time with their families. They've gone through periods when they have to walk back to back. Sometimes we don't even understand when it's light and when it's day. I just said to you in a very simplistic but jocularly form that, you know, my doctor just says that I am so active in the mind that even when I'm, you know, sleeping, I'm still walking. My brain is still functioning because they were tracking it. And that just goes with the volume of thinking that comes through and it didn't start today. So you may not realize it, but you're going to go through very serious work periods. And it has also made some very tough decisions in the process about jobs and people. When people are named general managers or division presidents or presidents or given some CEO title, they've reached what many of them have thought is a capstone position. Let me tell you something, friends. As a business head, they have tremendous autonomy and authority. You get there, you have everybody at your beck and call. For the first time, if you are just ascending to that particular throne, you get to call the shots. But if you've done it before, it's nothing new. But that first time experience of you becoming a business leader, sitting at the capstone position, can, can be huge. And so, though you may have a corporate boss, this individual generally will give them plenty of leeway. So you would have a group. There's always a supervisor, always a supervisor. So, you're a managing director, you're subject to the board. Depending on the structure of the company, you could even have a group managing director. Or if you have a metric system and a multinational setup, you could have your boss in a different continent entirely. So at one point in my own career, I was managing director of a region. I was My boss was in either Paris or in Atlanta or in Korea. And so, or South Africa at different times. So you have such bosses sitting far away from you, but you have this domain. But what happens with those corporate bosses? They give you plenty of leeway because they can't be there. In some other instances, you find when heads of businesses become community leaders, when these businesses are located in smaller towns. So let me even look at a very small structure like a regional sales manager or a divisional sales manager in a territory, you'll find that in that local town, that person could easily become a community leader because depending on the kind of business he's into, people will always look up to him or her for some level of service and appropriation. So GMs may become local dignitaries, huge uh, places for national sales managers or what I call regional sales managers. They can become easily local dignitaries. But I must let you understand that in the larger picture, you are an ambassador of that company. You are an ambassador when you sit at the top of the food chain of that company. And so people see you in that light. 
and in that light too. Now, you'll be amazed that you'll be treated with tremendous respect. And sometimes you can even border on subservience. I mean, I remember those very early days when I started my career and I served at Health Nigeria in those days, way, way back. I'm talking about the late 80s when I did my youth service at Health Nigeria in Port Harcourt. There were communities where you just found that because we were serving in there, I mean, first of all, the coppers, these were youth coppers working for the company. And in those communities, they were treated with tremendous respect to the extent that in some of those localities, the chiefs will arrange for people to wash the clothes of the coppers to help them cook and even to provide accommodation. They were treated with respect. So that tells you that if there's a business, the ambassador or representative in that community is always given so much respect and sometimes can be subservient by the people in the community. And they even invite them to sit on their local boards or meetings or even participate in civic decision making. This is the type of Nigeria that I found in the years when I was growing up in my career. Now, I can tell you that this may be happening, but it might be in pockets and in selected places because these days, so much has taken away the fabric of value and people may not necessarily accede to it. But stay with me because this journey is about the mindset of the business leader. And so you'll find that when you stay in certain corporations or you work in certain places, I have had the privilege and God has been faithful and great to give me a very befitting career of which I'm eternally grateful and I'm still inching on to make the very best of my time and existence on planet Earth. Now, there was a time when we worked with a, a top executive with a large corporation who was in, appointed to a country manager position in a particular country. Now, as part of the appointments, this is what typically happens. That person would live in a mansion. And that person was called upon by diplomats and they will always attend fabulous parties. So if you are an expatriate, you would understand. If, for instance, you are working out of a country and you are your con company you're working for is a large corporation, the tendency is that they're going to give you a very beautiful house as an expatriate. Huge one. But then you will then be invited by your local uh, diplomats to attend, you know, functions and all of that. Now, with this particular executive, at the end of his successful tenure, he was transferred to a staff position in a different location, where both he and his wife suffered significant reentry shock. Now. Why am I highlighting this example? I'm not going to call any names. I'm not going to call any companies. But I'm giving you a real-life story. So someone who was a top executive, who was given an expatriate job, went to a particular location and country, was treated as the king, lived in a mansion, was invited to fabulous parties held by the consulate. Everybody knew him as the ambassador of this company. And of course, you would always meet with the people that are with you. I mean, your own national. Now, when he finished his tenure, which typically for an expatriate is typically about three years. And sometimes you may have a run for another, another three, but somewhere in the line, along the line, there's always a change. So after the tenure, that particular executive was transferred to a different role. And this role was not an executive position like he had before, but it was more or less a managerial role in another location where both he and his wife suffered significant reentry shock. It wasn't the job that was the problem, but it was the loss of the prestige, the perks, and the autonomy of being a country head. Do you know what it is to be a country head in a company that you are in a certain location and then you come back and you have to report lower in another country to another country head. Not everybody can take it. And this was tough for them. 
And that autonomy of being a country was hard to exchange for the perceived a boring life in another location. Let me tell you something, friends. Remember, we are talking about the mindset of the business leader. Although most leaders enjoy the GM position more than any they have ever had, and often more than any other they will have, there is a cost. Specifically, the PL responsibility is a big change from the past positions. If you don't understand, if you are running a business and um, you are called a GM and you don't have PL responsibility, you're not a GM. I'm sorry to say. Profit and loss responsibility is a huge item on the cards. When you start taking responsibility for PL, then you know you're truly a general manager. Otherwise, you are just a manager in charge of general studies or general works, but they'll call you GM. You'll be excited, but you don't have any control. And so when people move from that specific PL responsibility, and there's a big change, you know, when they were primarily responsible for decision making that was removed from PL trade-off. Just as significantly. They're moving from running a partial business as a functional leader to running one in its totality. Remember, I talked about stretch assignments. And today I'm giving you a business leader's mindset and what typically happens at that place in the top. Many of you want to become business leaders tomorrow. Do you understand some of the games that may happen and things that may, the tide may flow differently from what you expect? It's not always rosy at the top. Don't let anybody deceive you. The top is full of a lot of risks. So if you're moving from being a functional leader to one that is running a business in totality, you must understand that there is a challenge moving from a monofunctional to a multifunctional perspective. If your mindset is not well glued, you will still work as a monofunctional ambassador or leader in a multifunctional setting. And that will bring you down. So you must wear a different hat. It means selecting people for their team. It means that in picking your team, that is if you have the privilege to pick the team, or you are meeting a team that has already been set. It means creating a culture. It means being a ceremonial as well as a practical head of business. Friends, it also involves creating external as well as internal relationships. You must create a stakeholder map. If you don't have that clearly defined, you'll have a challenge. Serious one at it. Functional managers generally aren't concerned with forging relationships with, let me say, regulatory bodies, with community groups and other external entities. They are not because they are what? Functional managers. But when you come from a monofunctional role to a multifunctional role, hey, you must have a connection. You must forge relationships with the regulatory bodies with community groups, all a function of your business model and what your business is. Now, there is a lot to acquire from a skill standpoint and a knowledge standpoint. But I must tell you that not only is there a great deal of knowledge and skill to acquire, but GMs must also acquire a distinctive mindset. So, why am I using the role of the GM? I'm using the GM, general manager, as required as a bench to highlight what happens in the case of a business leader. That's why I'm saying to you that there can be different dimensions to it. You can be a partial business leader. That is, you're a functional leader. For example, you are head of marketing. You are the marketing director. You are the chief marketing officer. So many titles can come there. You are head of sales. You are sales director. So many titles can run on that 
that's a functional leader. But the minute you move into a PL responsibility, that is, you now head, your direct reports are all function heads, then you are in the general management space because you will have a profit and loss responsibility. That is a huge one. That means you've moved from being monofunctional to being multifunctional. And I can tell you the truth. There are a lot of things that they've not taught you or they're not going to teach you at Harvard. There are a lot of things they will not teach you at the best business schools. These are things that you will have to learn on the job. And um, I'm taking and seizing the opportunity and leveraging this platform of um, set up by corporate shepherds to be able to share with you all what would happen in those settings. Because you may not have any other place to be trained. Listen, there are so many people out there that are not going to any training. There are so many companies that are not training people. They just throw people into a position and they expect you to work some magic. How? But if you don't have a platform, which is why this is the only business school on radio that I know of, where there are practical terms and types in which we'll address issues and beginning to prepare people for positions for their jobs, for their processes, and the things they will do to be better. At the end, it's about driving professional productivity and not just driving and being consistent in it. So if we go back to where we were, I was saying to you that not only is there a great deal of knowledge and skills to acquire as a general manager, but GMs must also acquire a distinctive mindset. What do I mean? They need to value their people. I say this all the time. If you don't value your people, if you don't have respect for people, you're gone. You're dead on arrival because you may get the work done by your own strides, but I'll tell you it's not going to be sustainable because someday you'll step out of that job. And when you step out of that job, that's when you require, or you then tell yourself that you didn't do well. There are many people that leave certain jobs and companies as GMs or MDs or whatever as seniors. They leave the company. And when they want to come back, either to come and transact in that same space, they are treated like lepers. Nobody wants to touch him. Even after you have left and you are pursuing some of your dividends or things you're supposed, nobody will have your time because you are a bad manager. You are a bad people manager. So be careful how you treat people on your way up because you may meet them on your way down. So GMs, business leaders must value their people. Not just valuing their people, they must value their development much more than they did as functional managers. They must become accustomed to seeing more broadly and thinking bigger than they did within a singular function. And this is a very important piece. You can't, as a functional director, having moved into being a managing director, still think in functionality. No, you need to see things broadly. You need to think bigger. You cannot be thinking in a singular function. GMs and business leaders have to become comfortable dealing with a range of people, including a hostile reporter, including having to face the press, including someone that may just come with a competitive threat to the business and then bringing you in the form of a report and how you have to deal with such. Now, let me tell you something. One of the things that can be very challenging is the loneliness that some people have when they have to go through their reports. Some general managers are surprised to discover how truly alone they are for the first time in their business lives. Why? Because up until this point, they were part of a team. Before you rose to the top, you were part of a team. And then you used to have bodies that will come and you guys will chit-chat. But now, when you step into the hallowed chamber, you're on your own. 
you'll find people not coming to you. And you'll be wondering, your own colleagues, your own pals, they're not coming to you to talk to you. They're not gisting with you. You suddenly feel lonely. These are real-time happenings. You must have a kind of mindset. You must be prepared for it. Many of you are wishing for promotions, but you don't understand the environment once the promotion hits you. A lot of your friends may turn their backs on you. Some of them will just walk away and they'll feel bad. Remember in the last episode, I talked about the fact that if there's a particular job that is open, maybe a GM role or a business leader role, and several of you are just living for that and you get it. When you get it, the people that didn't get it, not everybody will be happy. And they may not necessarily, you know, look at you. They'll just, oh, how are you? We just, um, they'll wave and they'll move away. Whereas these were guys who used to be Jojo. Now, in some other regard, you are the one brought in from outside to come and take up a business leader role because there would have been people internally that may have also jostled for that position, but they didn't get it. Those that didn't get it, and those that were not even in the radar of the job, you will just find yourself carrying enemies for no reason. All of a sudden, when you become a business leader or a general manager or whatever position, you would be shocked. You may be shocked and very surprised to discover how truly alone you would be for the first time in your business life. Because up until this time, you are part of a team. Well, friends, let's take a pause there. We'll be right back. We need to pay some bills. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. It's still your business school on radio. It's Navigate with ID and Ang, and such an honor and privilege to be here. So, friends, if you just uh, joined, I bid you welcome. What are we talking about? We're looking at the mindset of the business leader. And this is coming on the heels of several iterations and sessions we've had around stretch assignments. I just decided to raise the bar to step into a terrain where folks should understand what happens at a certain level. Because every one of us, as we inch closer to the top, we are desirous of one day heading businesses. We are desirous of getting promoted. We are desirous of reaching the peak or what I call the capstone position. And so we are also desirous to become business heads. That way we have tremendous autonomy and authority. But as you call the shots, there are also shots that are under that will also call you if you are not ready. And so it's that environment we've been looking at and we're sitting at the space where just we were before we took on the first break and we're talking about how business leaders and general managers must acquire a distinctive mindset that they need to value their people, not just valuing their people, they need to value and also drive their development much more than they did as functional managers. So you were a functional manager, a functional director, when you become managing director, you must be very value-oriented around people. So people, people, people. Nothing short, nothing less. You must become accustomed to seeing more broadly and thinking bigger than you ever did when you were in a singular function. You have to become comfortable dealing with a range of people, including internal and external. So hostile reporters, one minute and a competitive threat to the business a minute later. One minute you can have this, another minute you have that. So there's a lot of fluidity and things happen so fast. And even more challenging is this factor that I got to before we took the break. That when you get to that point at the top or you get promoted into that space, loneliness can come. And this is one factor that is shocking to a lot of general managers to discover how truly alone they are for the first time in their business life. Because up until that point, they were part of a team. They were part of a team and everybody was Jojo, you know, things were going very easy. But the minute you sit on top of the food chain, it's a different conversation. 
there was always come someone to confide in and work with on an equal basis at that time. And, you know, but the cliche changes. Everything changes because the book stops on your table. So you are singularly accountable for the business. Friends, it's not fun to be a CEO. I've been there. It's not fun. In fact, one of the things I told myself I was going to write was a book about the CEO. You know, the CEO is a place, is a thankless job. You get into that role, it's thankless. Your problem is your problem. The company's problem is your problem. Everybody's problem is your problem. And even your own problem is your problem. But nobody will ever come to ask you, how can I help you? A fact of life. I'm telling you from experience. And so you may get in there and if you don't have the right mindset, you'll go gaga. That's why you find some leaders going, most of them are, in, are depressed, but they won't show it. Even at home, they become aliens at home. Their children, their spouses cannot really put a finger. They're just saying it's working, it's busy. If you're not careful and understand how to balance this, that's why when I have the time and the privilege to sit and coach or even speak to business leaders, I always come from this perspective. And many of them, the room is always very quiet. Each time I have the privilege to take an AMP class at the business school, Lagos Business School, that's what I tell them. I say, guys, you are just, you are the MD now. You are general manager now. Trust me. Once you leave that seat, you realize how lonely you are. If you don't sit back today and start doing some things, start representing everything you want in that future now, and it's in people. There's treasure in earthen vessels. Don't take people for granted. I am grateful to God that in the course of my own journey and career, I saw this very early in the day, and I made sure that every inch of the way, up to the very top, I never would joke with people. My greatest assets and best of friends will always be the people either I had the privilege to work with or the privilege to work alongside with. But no time in the course of this would I take anyone for granted because today I'll be sucking gas. How would you suck gas? You'll not see anybody around you. You'll be on your own. And so much as the cliche tells you the box stops here, and that you are singularly accountable for the business. You are the one who is judged by the financial scorecard. You, Mr. General Manager. You, Mr. Business Leader. You, Mr. CEO. It could be Mrs. CEO. Whatever it is, this is being gender neutral. Unlike other previous positions that they had before you became CEO, before you became General Manager, you could easily complain to your colleague and say, ah, oh boy, what did they worry Organa on? How this thing they go? How this business they run? I don't tire out. You can't say that once you become GM and MD. No. Because there will be nobody to confide in. Everybody will leave you. You are on your own. In fact, people will stand away and they are waiting for you to call on them. And even when you call them to your space, it depends on your body language. That's the response they will give you. Just to know. Are you the type of king that wants to hear his own voice? They will give you your, your voice and then you shake your head and say, that's a good idea. The person just wants to escape. So unlike their previous positions, they can't complain to or about their boss, at least not in any way they may have done in the past. You can't. Their boss is not a constant presence. I told you before, depending on the structure, my bosses were in different parts of the world. Once upon a time, I had one in South Africa. I had one in Korea. I had one in Paris. I had one in Atlanta, in Georgia, Atlanta. Different parts of, of the world. They are a constant presence, but rather a distant observer. So if you're in that kind of uh, situation, what do you do? Are you going to start, you whisper to someone here, you wouldn't even know it has gotten to Atlanta. Representing a very different way of managing upwards. But happy are you if you are on the ninth floor and your boss is on the 13th floor and you can easily take the lift to go and see him or see her 
So that's a different model entirely. But you still can't complain. You can't whisper to your colleague to say, this boss of ours is fumbling. You can't. Because now you become a GM reporting to the group GM or group CEO. You can't say the group CEO does not know what he's doing. Because, like they say in Yoruba parlance, in vernacular, ugrileti, the walls have ears. So when you whisper there, a guy you will get there. Someone is going to say, hmm, you mean you are telling us that the boss does not get it? Before you know it, there are whispering spirits. How they manifest, you will know. The next time your boss will in a meeting will say, ah, like some of you will say that I don't get it. Thank you very much. I've gotten your message and this is my reply. You now wonder who heard or who did you speak to? So the mindset at the top there is very different, friends. Let me tell you something. As a business leader, as a general manager, all of them are jugglers. You know why? It is probably the first sustained juggling act they have ever performed in public. Because earlier in your career, you would have focused on specific tasks and goals. But here, you are presented with multiple tasks. Even if you did different things, your responsibilities were limited by the jobs you did. But a business head, a business leader, a CEO, a general manager, I mean, I'm talking about the top of the food chain, is responsible for everything. This is a psychological shift leaders need to make. Many of them don't get it. I mean, this goes for public or private sector. Somebody is announced as minister, trust me, you need to make a psychological shift because there are multiple. Do you know how many ministries, departments, and agencies are sitting underneath a minister or a, with permanent secretaries, as call them chief operating officers of those ministries, and still have directors, generals, you have DGs sitting? It's humongous. And all of a sudden, you are placed on top to manage the affairs of that entity. Ooh. Boy, oh boy. Psychological shift. So here you were in your own normal life before then. You were just managing your own small business or you were in one small town. And all of a sudden, they ask you to come and look at the country. Ha ha. If care is not taken, you'll be consumed. Why? Because that rule, a business head rule or GM rule or whatever it is, an overseer rule is a rule that requires juggling. And this juggling is not one-off. It has to be a sustained juggling act that you'll even have to perform more in public than in private. GMs and such business leaders must accept that they are going to be jumping from one area to the next. And they won't have time for everything. The first thing you will not have time for is your family. I can tell you, if care is not taken, if you don't build the necessary blocks. See, let me tell you, give you a pictorial representation of what this is. And many people just think that when you are getting into a role, I want it, I desire it. Be careful what you wish for. So imagine for a second, I take you to the beach. So for a second, let me just imagine, for those of you that have been to the bar beach in the days that the beach, bar beach was there. Or, and then imagine the bar beach, you know, when you have the high tide and the waves are coming and the waves are coming. And as you see the waves come through, you are walking into the ocean, you know, at the point if you go to the beaches, you'll see overnight where they would have been, the, you know, the, the hole, it would have overrun the banks. You'll see the spot to where it got to at that point in time. And there are times when the water will recede. It will recede far that you can walk a further stretch to get to where the water is. Now, taking up these business leader roles is like that. When you are coming, you're going to see yourself walking towards the ocean. And it looks very nice, sandy patch. You continue. It will just take 
just one tsunami. All it takes is one voluptuous dimension where the water now comes with every push. If care is not taken, you'll be swept away and you could drown. That is how I can pictorially let you see what the job of a business leader can be. Because at that time, if you don't have all the factors in place from the starting point of protecting yourself, should there be an issue where at least you'll be afloat and having the right instruments, having the right pieces or accessories around you. So should the water come more than you expected, at least you can swim. And if you can't swim, you can float. And if you can't swim, you will have a device where you can call for help. But more importantly, you would have seen yourself in a space where you will not have time for everything. Friends, it is magical the way good general managers keep all the balls moving. The picture I painted for you is reality, but there are still some good GMs who keep all the balls moving. Go check their families. Their families are intact. They still have time for their children. They have time for their spouses. They, they have That family time is there. That's why, you know, when I held the Ask ID series, we're talking about navigating career and family, striking a balance. The first balance that keeps you there is the kind of person you marry. If you don't have the right spouse, forget it. You're not going to strike any balance. You'll be in trouble. That's the first thing. First thing first. I'm telling you from the onset, if you marry wrong and you are in a career, the chances of getting support from your spouse will just be very slim or slim just walked away. I'm telling you reality in most cases. Why? Because when the SH hits the fan, you will then realize that you'll be drowned. And that's why most, most marriages don't make it. They don't make it. That's why when I started this show, I started by thanking God for grace and also for thanking my wife for tolerating me. Monday 6th of November, we'll be marking our 30th anniversary that we've been together as a couple. It's not been rosy, but you know what? She has supported me all the way through my career, all the way. I mean, the height of it is packing up our our own business. She's a doctor selling off everything to go with me because I was given an expatriate job outside of the country and we had to go out for three years. She shut down our life for three years just to be able to play the role of a wife and mother and not a professional. How many women will do that today? So if you don't have the right spouse from the beginning, who is ready to support you all the way? Either male or female goes both ways. I'm just using my own example. Because I'm, of course, male. So I'm telling why. That's why these things are not so easy. You can see I've had the privilege of being a business leader, moving from different levels, getting into general management positions of opposition, crisscrossing different territories, moving from FMCG to technology, to electronics, to beauty. All of that, the balls have been moving but you need to juggle all. But one ball that you must not drop is the drop ball of the family. And I can tell you, if you're not ready and you don't have the right mindset, that ball is going to go down. And when it drops, pray that if it drops like an egg will drop, you can still make an omelette out of it. Many are not able to make an omelette out of broken eggs. So it is possible I can say this with every sense of humility and grace to God, that it is possible to have good GMs keeping all the balls moving. But it is also a bit overwhelming to think about sustaining such a performance. Mm. You know, I'll give you an advice by a famous CEO, former CEO of Novartis, Thomas Eblin. He said, First of all, be yourself. This is serious advice. And take it as if I'm also telling you the same because I have been there, done that, and still doing. 
first of all, be yourself. Be attentive. Don't shirk on your career. Care for your consumers. Care for your company. I have seen so many people being obsessed about their own career that they have forgotten how to make the difficult decisions. To really get diversity of experiences, you have to rotate into different functions, different countries, corporate or printing units. Only then can they complement themselves on their strong leadership. What Thomas Eblin was saying here, for you to be a well-rounded executive, you need to find a way of having diverse experiences. You need to rotate into functions, into countries, possibly. So if you are not privileged to be able to go into a country, you can go into an operating unit. You know, you may operate within a certain, but then just try and move. Don't sit alone in marketing, get into sales. Don't sit alone in sales, get into, have an appreciation of marketing. You can walk into operations, understand supply chain, logistics, production, manufacturing. When you have a piece of each of the pies, while your feet are sunk deep in one, then you can gain mastery and ready to be a general manager. That if you remove that garment and you're running wild because the job is taking you wild, whenever you come to pick up that same garment, you may not be your size again. It may not fit. The family is like a garment that you must wear permanently at all times. If you don't balance that part, friends, I can tell you, except you don't have a heart, except you are a machine and your heart is digitized, that is, is being controlled. You are an artificial intelligent robot. That's the only way. And even those ones these days, they are trying to build emotions into them. But I'm telling you, you must wear that garment perpetually, even as you grow in your career as a business leader. One other thing I want to say is that most GMs or business leaders enter their jobs assuming they've been well prepared for their new responsibilities. I've seen people just begin to acquire MBAs, MPAs, all manner of, they go to Harvard, INSEAD, there's nothing wrong with them. But very many people come thinking I'm well prepared for this job. Certainly, they have been prepared in one sense of the term. Most MBA programs review their requirements and the tasks of the GM. And what they do is provide students with a good concept of the skills the job requires. How? They go through case studies. They do X, they do Y. But a functional manager position too provides people with experience in different areas that may be useful when they run a business. But in coaching and teaching hundreds of GMs, one of the things, or let me take that, in coaching and teaching several GMs, one of the things that I have come to believe is that leading a functional area may not be a particularly good training ground for the GM position. That's why I said you need to have a diversity of experiences. Though some companies and most route their best people from functional roles to heads of business, it is an ideal preparation for that passage in the career. So if you're listening to me now and you are a supply chain expert, don't sit there alone. Have an understanding of how this entire chain of demand fulfillment ends with the customer. So get into operations, get into sales. Get to understand how the customers are being fed and through what channel and how are they being received and to what extent are you able to communicate and get the message. An appreciation of marketing, appreciation of communications, and at the end of the day, getting a sense of what the cost to serve is. The cost to serve makes you financially able to be able to sit back and say, does this decision make sense? Does this route to market make sense? Are we going to continue servicing the customer from this point? Could there be an alternative? But if you are just in the factory for 25 years and you come out, okay, there's nothing waiting for you and they make you a GM. You will roast. You will take decisions because you'll be sitting under control. The marketing people want to spend X million on an activation. You will question it, query it, take it home take it to your prayer mountain, 
put it in your desk, ask your pastor, you will begin to consult everywhere just because you need to approve. And it's because you never had time to look into that part. And so, leading a functional area may not be a particular good training ground for the GM position. Though most companies route their best from functional roles, yes, they do, to heads of business, it isn't an ideal preparation. I'm saying all of this because I have not only been through this whole pathway, I currently sit and coach businesses and individuals, especially when they are having issues. You find the top team are not connecting with the next in line. You find that the strategy, the goals of the organization are not cascaded down the entire chain. This is where it is because the GM does not know. The GM was just promoted by default. It's just by happenstance. There are some people that come in like that. But you know what I'll leave you guys with? And I'll leave you with what you know Ram Sharan said. The best way to prepare someone for being a business head is to give him little GM jobs, such as letting someone run a smaller business, smaller space, then watch him, coach him, take him to a normal and better level. And of course, boom, when he sits on the throne, he understands the dynamics of it. Well, friends, I hope you had a great time today. We'll continue from this very nice space when we are, as we are looking at the mindset of a business leader. In the next episode, I would like to show you some of the pitfalls that business leaders go through. Don't miss it. Stay glued. And thank you for all that you do to listen to Navigate with ID. God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.